Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Morning and welcome to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM, bringing you all the latest news on marine science and the marine environment. Stay with us as we dive in today. Welcome back to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. That was The Cruel Sea with This Is Not The Way Home. Today on Out of the Blue, we're going to have a bit of a wrap-up of the re- or the relatively recent news from the Great Barrier Reef and talk a little bit about what the findings of the surveys are to investigate the extent of coral bleaching, what the findings have been and, and a few of the facts And there's a bit of other news from around the country. It's not all just happening up in Queensland. It's a little bit of news from Tasmania about uh, salmon farming, Um, as well as a little bit on what is happening with the sea surface temperatures around the world. Obviously, that's all to do with uh, coral bleaching, but it has pretty broad implications for our little area of the world down here in Victoria. But first cab off the rank is a nice little study that came out this week on the microbes which live in sea sponges. Um, Sea sponges, those soft and spongy things that wash up on the beach and you see out growing on the reefs and all sorts of other habitats, apparently have quite a diverse and important microbiome or symbiotic uh, microbes, bacteria, that live within the sponges and help them uh, in, in what they do. 
And I thought this was an interesting study because recently um, I got a question from a member of the public who'd found uh, an unknown marine organism washed up on the beach. It was dark, uh, bluey black, and they picked it up and it absolutely stunk. And so you can imagine that if a sponge, which washes up on the beach, is not only full with all the the food that's been filtering out of the water, but all these uh, symbiotic bacteria, once it dies, it would... Uh, explain the pretty pungent pong that comes out. But this study collected a huge number of sponge samples from all over the world, uh, from Australia and parts of the Mediterranean and the Atlantic and other areas in the Pacific, and they analysed them using genetic techniques to map out um, just how many different groups of bacteria um, were within the uh, the sponges, and they found that the the richness or the the number of different types of microbes living within the sponges varied quite widely across the different uh, sponges that they analysed. Um, the number of different uh, microbes in the sponges ranged from about fifty up to almost four thousand genetically distinct uh, microbes per host. And interestingly, this was a fair bit less than the number of microbes they found in the seawater which the sponges were living in. And obviously they had to account for all the microbes in the seawater um, in their analysis and sort of subtract them from um, what they found in the sponges. Because while the sponges have uh, symbiotic microbes, they also filter the feed them out of the water. So they'd be... I'm not quite sure how they managed to do it, but they, they... they cancelled out the influence from the microbes that the sponges had gobbled up when they were filter feeding and were able to identify which uh, microbes were just living within the sponge and helping it do its thing. Um, what they also found is that um, the sponges only had one phylum or, you know, a high-level high group of bacteria. And by contrast, humans uh, in, their, in our guts have a huge number of um, symbiotic bacteria. But in humans, there are four different phylums. So the sponges, which are you know, widely regarded as the simplest of all the animals, um, just have the one group of bacteria, whereas the humans uh, have four. Some of the other uh, interesting little uh, bits and pieces that came out of their study was that there were some um, very generalist uh, bacteria living in within the sponges. Um, you know, bacteria that were found across a wide range of sponge species. But there are also some symbionts, some symbiotic bacteria who were very specialist and only found in one or two sponges. Um, and the generalist uh, uh, symbionts, the symbiotic bacteria, they were... F- um, they were the sort of the core of the sponge microbiome, whereas the specialists, as you would expect, um, were just made up a small proportion. Um, it's a it's a, a nice little study. It came out in Nature Communications just last week, um, and it's it's good, really good to see people delving further and further into the microbial diversity in the world because, as we uh, increasingly know, it's um, the microbes, which drive a huge, uh, a huge um, portion of the processes in the ecosystem, um, from what goes on in our own guts, which um, I recently discovered, um, control not only how we digest food but also our mood um, and our immune system. 
So if you think across all the different species on the planet, um, the, the influence of microbes must be quite enormous. All right, we'll go to a brief track now, and then we'll be back more with the wrap-up of um, recent news from the Great Barrier Reef. Stay with us on Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 9419 8377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood. 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. I keep a close walk on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the ties that bind because you're mine I walk the line I find it very, very easy to be true I find myself alone when each day is through Yes, I'll admit I'm a fool for you Because you're mine I walk the line
Chris Wilson with the Johnny Cash classic, I Walk the Line. Uh, right, as I mentioned earlier on Out of the Blue, we are going to have a quick wrap-up of uh, the latest news from the Great Barrier Reef. Um, it's been a, a bit of a sensational few months uh, for news coming from our Great Barrier Reef. Uh, and while we've probably all feel like we've heard enough and or heard too much or maybe for some of you not heard enough um there's been a few few bits and pieces coming out of uh the scientific organizations uh who look after the great barrier reef trying to clarify just what the latest um mass bleaching event means for the reef um with every um conceivable media outlet weighing in on the reporting uh it got to a point where some of the uh, reporting was highly inaccurate, sometimes dishonest, uh, and all, all in all quite confusing. Some media outlets chose to um, greatly exaggerate um, some of the, the data coming being reported from the Great Barrier Reef, and other media organisations chose to play down the seriousness of the event. Um, but I thought one scientist put it particularly well when they said, look, we don't have to exaggerate anything about these numbers. Um, they speak for themselves, and speak for themselves they did. Um, the most uh, important thing to, um, to remember about the current mass bleaching event is that, number one, it was a global event, so it was um, felt all across the world, and it, it really started way back in 2015 and even 2014 in places as the global oceans um, warmed to unprecedented levels. Um, the Great Barrier Reef was one of the, the last coral reef areas to be affected, although areas um, in the Indian Ocean um, were affected sometime after the uh, bleaching happened in on the Great Barrier Reef. Um, the Chagos Archipelago, um, an um, area now protected um, as a marine park um, by the UK, was also affected by the mass bleaching event and reports from Chagos Archipelago were that 85% um, of corals there were affected. Um, there hasn't been too much um, more reporting of what's going on in Chagos. It's uh, fairly remote, and I'm not sure how much, uh, how many resources they have to continue doing their surveys, but it's something to keep an eye on in the future. Because um, uh, with a, a, a bleaching figure like that, you would expect um, some quite significant mortality, and it is uh, one of the world's largest marine protected areas. But back to the, the Great Barrier Reef. Um, the, a, a major um, pattern in the, in the bleaching event of 2016, which is 
a bit different to bleaching events um, in the over the last couple of decades is that the area most um, seriously affected by bleaching was the north part of the reef um, the areas north of uh, Townsville um, and given that the, the Great Barrier reef, reef Marine Park Authority and the Australian Institute for Marine Science have now finished their surveys um, of the reef to map out what um, exactly, what, what the, the impacts to date are on the reef, they've been able to say with um, pretty high confidence and great accuracy um, just what the mortality of corals is. So from the tip of Cape York um, to just north of Lizard Island, uh, they found coral mortality on reefs ranging from very high um, which meant 50% or more of the corals were dead, to quite low levels between 0.1 and 9.9%. So it wasn't like these reefs were completely wiped out, but some very substantial um, effects, and it will mean a huge amount um, of you know, reef repair that will, will have to take place before uh, the, the areas return to their um, pre-bleaching condition. But they, um, the average for the area um, from their, their in-water surveys was a loss of 50% of coral. So half the reefs will have to um, be recolonised by new live corals. Moving south along the, over the reef, between Cairns and Cooktown, um, coral mortality on reefs ranged from high, between 30 and 50%, to low levels, um, between you know, 0.1 and 9.9%. Um, and based on the results of the in-water surveys um, between Cairns and Cooktown, the average coral loss in that area was 16%. So um, you can see that the, as, as you moving, we move south through the reef, uh, the, the seriousness of the bleaching impacts this year are not uh, decreasing. Further south again, Townsville to Whitsunday, uh, to the Whitsundays, um, coral mortality on reefs ranged from medium levels between 10 and 30%. Uh, to no mortality at all, and their in-water surveys showed that average coral loss um, in this area was about 3%, so quite low. And then south of Mackay, no bleaching, um, well, no mortality due to coral bleaching has been detected, so the southern part of the reef got away um, unscathed in this event. And the, 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 the key f factor in the coral bleaching, the sea surface temperatures, um, appear to have uh, moderated. The sea surface, temp surface temperatures have now, well, for the last couple of months, in fact, have been back below levels that cause bleaching. But interesting, I, I, I looked up the sea surface temperatures this morning, and they're still pretty warm uh, for this time of year. Of around the, the north and east coast of Australia, um, sea surface temperatures or between one and three degrees above above average so it's um it's still warmer than usual and there's particularly warm areas off um, the coast of southern new south wales and off the northeast tip of tasmania which um, is likely uh, the cause of some of the severe weather and the huge amounts of rain they've been seeing in those areas in other news from around the country uh, from Tasmania more specifically, um, Tassel, one of the, the biggest uh, fa salmon farming operations in Tasmania, is going to move some of their farms uh, offshore. At the moment, most salmon farms in Tasmania 
uh, in um, at the sort of the lower end of estuaries in quite protected waters, um, which are not subject to waves. But this uh, comes with problems for the fish in that um, there's not very much flushing of the seawater. So uh, nutrients and disease tend to accumulate around the, the farming areas. And they're increasingly having problems with uh, temperatures uh, as the climate warms and the oceans warm. Um, the salmon, which are um, a cold water species, are finding it too warm and suffering quite badly from disease and um, their growth drops off. So Tazel has released plans to establish four salmon farming leases in Storm Bay near the Tasman Peninsula. So that's the area um, sort of south of Hobart. Um, and it's, well, as, as the name suggests, it's a pretty stormy, wavy place is Storm Bay. Um, but the company um, expects to um, be able to establish uh, a large uh, area of farming um, and based on the number of jobs they expect to create, 72 jobs, um, you can imagine that it would be quite a big big change to Storm Bay to have these salmon pens floating around. And the other questions would have to be, well, how on earth are the pens going to stand up to the incredible wave energy um, that you get? Um, they, they mentioned that uh, the, the anchoring systems will have to be beefed up quite a lot, um, but I, I just wonder how how on earth you can make a, a salmon pen that will withstand uh, the huge waves that you get in an oceanic environment like that. I'd love to see hear what the engineers um, have to say. Um, but out in Storm Bay, the Tassel are looking forward to having faster moving currents and cooler water temperatures um, to assist the salmon's growth and disease resistance. Um, Environment Tasmania have raised concerns about its um, impacts on the environment, particularly um, visually. Uh, the, the Tasman Peninsula recently had a new uh, hike established. Um, much of it uh, has views out over Storm Bay, uh, which would look quite a bit different with um, the salmon pens floating around. So we'll keep our eye on that one. Um, and obviously if, if one if the salmon farming company does it, then you can expect that uh, over time uh, some of the other companies will follow suit. All right, we have another brief track now on Out of the Blue before we come back and wrap up. Well, that was part of Since I Left You from the Avalanches. Time is rapidly running away and it's time for me to sign off and hand over the reins to uh, Sally with Out of the Pan. So I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, thanks for listening to Out of the Blue, and thank you to all who donated uh, to our Radiothon appeal. We've um, raised more money than we ever have before, so thank you very much. But if you haven't donated yet, please do get on board and uh, donate some money to 3CR to keep us on air for another year. All right, that's me. I better go and come back again next week.